Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. Tonight, I want to try to uh, kind of steer us toward getting in in tune with the season that we're in. I don't usually cater to the season a lot, but maybe one or two times. But just been kind of <clears throat> feeling led to to go this route. Uh, so what we're going to be doing is the Lord just. Uh, uh, this week laid it on my heart uh, the the three words tis the season and began to deal with me about the season and uh, really spoke to me about really drawing attention to Christ and drawing attention to the reason for the season and uh, so we're on Sunday mornings Lord's willing uh, we're going to be talking about dealing with words that pertain to the season last week we talked about hope last Sunday morning we talked about hope a living hope and and this Sunday we're going to be uh, dealing with another word that pertains to the season uh, and on Wednesday nights we're going to be dealing uh, with uh, Christmas carols and tonight, I want to talk about the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. Uh, and I want to talk about that based upon praise and worship. So, <clears throat> so here we go. In Luke chapter 2, if you'll take your Bible and turn there, Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. Uh the song, O Come All Ye Faithful, was written in the early 1700s by uh, an Englishman named John Wade. It's a very popular Christmas carol. And I just want to kind of uh, give you the words of it tonight. I would sing it, but my throat's messed up, so I'm just going to have to read it out to you. And uh, that wasn't a place for clapping. Uh, but in that song it says oh come all ye faithful joyful and triumphant oh come ye oh come ye to Bethlehem come and behold him born the king of angels oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Now, I'm not in Luke right now, okay? Oh, sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Sing all that hear in heaven God's holy word. Give to our Father glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come. Let us adore him, Christ the Lord. All hail, Lord, we greet thee. 
born this happy morning. O Jesus, forevermore be thy name adored. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. If you go back through that and you see how many times the writer of this little Christmas carol talks about adoring, exalting, and worshiping and praising the name, praising the Lord. Uh, you understand that he recognized the importance of worshiping and praising the child that was born in Bethlehem. And so in Luke chapter 2, I want us to, to begin reading with verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their, <clears throat> their flock by night. <clears throat> and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now this, verse 13 and 14, is what I want to focus on tonight. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, toward men think about this the greatest news ever to pierce the eardrum of a human being was proclaimed that night and it wasn't in a sanctuary somewhere it wasn't in a palace somewhere it wasn't in a mall somewhere it was out in the middle of a field and it wasn't to kings and priests it wasn't to theologians and scribes, but it was to shepherds, the lowest of the low of society. Uneducated, unlearned men, but yet the king of kings chose to reveal himself and his coming to those men that night in that place. As they made their proclamation or their declaration of Jesus that was about to be born that night in Bethlehem. The Bible tells us that suddenly, apparently there was an angel that had made this announcement and that as this angel made the announcement that suddenly there appeared a multitude of a heavenly host and they were praising God and worshiping, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Man, what a, what a sight and sound that must have been to have been there that night to hear the heavenly host. The Bible talks about that 
uh, in the book of Revelation that there were myriad upon myriad of angels and voices of angels that were singing and worshiping and praising God. Now here's what I want to get to tonight. If that took place that night at the birth, the announcement of the birth of Jesus, and heaven was rejoicing, heaven was praising, and heaven was worshiping. And I know that tonight I'm preaching to the choir, but but got to preach it to somebody. If they were doing all of that, and if they broke out in a heavenly course and, and a multitude of angels came, and we don't know how many, I... I I can only imagine that there were thousands upon thousands of angels that came and they began to sing and worship and praise and magnify God at the, at the coming of Jesus, the Son of God. If they did that, ladies and gentlemen, then that tells me that I need to take my praise up a notch or two. It tells me that on Sunday morning when we come together and worship the name of Jesus, that perhaps we're a little bit too quiet. Amen? You see, in this season, we, we exalt the Christmas tree. We sing songs about the Christmas tree. We exalt the lights and the wrappings and the gifts and all of that. But listen, I believe that it's time for us as Christians to recognize what happened on that night, the first night, and begin to follow the example that the Word of God has set forth for us. You see, when we understand the power of praise, uh, we, we understand one thing from that, and that is that God desires worship and praise. If He sent the angels of heaven down that night to praise the coming of His Son, then how much more should we praise Him that He's already came and already died, and now we're waiting on his second return, second coming. You see, praise changes the atmosphere. The Bible says that these shepherds were afraid when they heard the announcement of the angels, and they were afraid, and they feared uh, when they saw the glory of the Lord come about uh, round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. So there was fear there, but, but the Bible says that when this multitude of the heavenly host appeared and began to worship and began to sing, that immediately after that, the shepherds said to themselves, we need to go and find what we just heard about. And so... Let's understand the power of praise. And in this season, during this time of year, let's take our praise up a notch. Let's, let's worship him for who he is and give him praise because, you see, when I begin to praise, praise changes the atmosphere. Praise changes my atmosphere, and it'll change your atmosphere. All right, remember Paul and Silas in, in the book of Acts in chapter 16, the Bible says they were in prison. 
They were in shackles and chains with blood uh, running down their backs with stripes from being uh, beaten with whips. And they were sitting in the prison and all of that. But the Bible says that around midnight, they began to sing and praise the Lord. Now, how many of you know that when they begin to sing and praise the Lord, that it changed the atmosphere? And the Bible says that God moved and, and the earthquake came and shook the very shackles off of their hands. Amen? That's a lot of shaking, ain't it? But God moves. You see, praise will change the atmosphere. Praise puts God in his proper place. Listen, it's easy during this time of year to allow God to take a back seat. While we're worried about buying gifts, we're worried about uh, getting the right present for somebody, we're worried about all these other things, and God is taking a back seat. One reason I wanted to do this tonight is I want us to get in a proper perspective what the season is that we're going into. Because if there's ever been a time that Jesus Christ needs to be exalted, it's tonight. If there's ever been a time that we need to lift up the name of Jesus, it is now in the hour that we're living in. So praise puts God in his proper place. Praise, when I begin to praise, it turns my attention away from my situation and it puts it on him. Remember what we talked about in Psalm 42? Last Sunday, verses 5 and 11, uh, the psalmist said, uh, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. And he said, I'll put my faith and my trust in him, and I'll praise him. You see, sometimes we need to understand that, that yeah, we're faced with all kind of things in life, and, and there, there are always going to be things that are going to come against us that will discourage us, that will detour us or distract us but praise will always bring me back to front and center praise is an act of my will and your will God doesn't come down and snap his finger and say now let's praise praise is an act of your will praise is something that you choose to do. Praise sends a statement to heaven, but it also sends one to hell. You see, when I choose to praise, I'm making a statement. I don't care what somebody thinks about me. I don't care whether or not you lift your hands or not. That's up to you. But when I praise, I'm making a statement to God that I believe and I trust in Him. I'm making a statement that in spite of my circumstance and my situation, God is my answer. That's the reason that I need to praise. That's the reason that I need to worship. Praise is a sacrifice. And like I said, I know you've probably heard all this before. But these are some areas that we're going to be really dealing with uh, in the coming weeks because I stand and look on Sunday morning 
and I look out across the congregation and I see about 25% that are praising and the rest are just standing. And I wonder, God, where is it at? And God began to deal with me and he said, son, he said, I want you to talk about praise and I want you to spend some time in dealing with praise, he said, because people don't understand the power of praise. Listen, praise is a sacrifice, guys. You might, you might be waiting for God to come down and, okay, man, lift them arms up. You might be waiting for a, a little tingling to take place or a little goosebump to come up. And God speak to you and said, now raise them hands up. But that's not how praise comes. See, God has never and he never will make human beings praise him. That's the reason God comes down when my praise goes up. Because I am doing something that is totally coming out of my heart and out of my desire to worship him. I'm not doing it because you're twisting my arm. I'm not doing it because the worship leader stands and says, you need to stand, you need to lift your hands, you need to do this. I'm not doing praise because of that. I'm praising because it is coming out of my spirit. Praise is a willing sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse 15, Paul said this, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Say no more. But I better say a little bit. So what is the sacrifice of praise? What is the sacrifice of praise. Paul said the sacrifice of praise is the fruit of my lips giving praise or giving thanks to his name. That's what the sacrifice of praise is. And he said let us offer that continually. Amen? So praise changes the atmosphere. Praise puts God in his purpose. Uh, proper place. Praise is an act of my will, something that I choose to do out of my own will. And praise is a willing sacrifice that I offer to God. Then Psalm. And I don't know which psalm it is because I didn't put it down. But he said, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered the steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise 
to the Lord. All the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. I read that today, and that sing a new song to the Lord just stuck out to me. And I could just sense God saying, it's time for the church to begin to sing a new song. It's time for the body to begin to sing a new song of worship. Listen, the world wants to quieten us down, but it's time for us to get louder. Amen? It's time for the church to get vocal about our relationship with God. Revelation uh, chapter 5 talks about a new song that they sang. And the, and the Bible says that uh, there was a, a great angel that came uh, and, and uh, proclaimed with a loud voice and said, Who is worthy to open the scroll and, and to break its seals? And uh, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. In verse 4, uh, John the Revelator was standing there, and he, he heard this angel make this proclamation. Uh, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And the Bible says that, that John was standing there, and he said, I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And then one of the elders said to him, uh, Weep no more, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. And on down in verse 9, uh, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language, people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Listen to this. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads. Somebody add that up. Myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped him. When he came to earth, those same angels gave him worship. And now in Revelation 5, he's not on the earth anymore, but he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he's been found worthy to open the book and to remove the seals. Think about this, guys. Myriad upon myriad, 
thousands upon thousands of angels begin to sing a choir like we've never witnessed before. And they're singing about one thing, one person, one man, and his name is Jesus. Listen, I believe tonight, guys, that when we understand the power of praise unto him, when we can sing unto him be all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise, we're going to change some things in our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. If I've heard it once, I've probably heard it a thousand times. The wrong ideas about praise. The wrong ideas about worship. I've heard so many times people say, well, preacher, I, I worship in my own way. In other words, I'm not going to lift my hands. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to look stoic and stare, and I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to make any moves or anything like that. I'm going to worship in my own way. I've heard others say, well, preacher, it's really none of your business about how I worship because my worship is private. I've heard others say, well, preacher, God knows my heart. Amen. Listen, and I'm not putting people down, all right, but I want you to understand about praise and worship. Can I worship in my own way? Yes, I can. Can I worship in private? Yes. Does my worship need to be private? Yes, it does. Does God know my heart? Yes, he does. He knows my heart. But many people that have that idea that say those things have a wrong understanding of worship and praise. And it's because they've never entered in to that true praise and true worship of where they see the anointing of God move and come to where their worship is. They don't realize that they've allowed the traditions of man to dictate their mode of worship. Many people have allowed unknowingly, they've allowed religion to dictate their etiquette when it comes to being in the presence of God. I was thinking about today, if you went to the average ball game, we'll just say the ball game that took place last weekend, Alabama and Auburn. If we went to the ball game and we'll say perhaps there were 100,000 people there at that ball game Saturday evening. And out of that 100, say, thousands of people, we went to that ball game and when everybody else was doing the wave, we sat there and said, I'll do the wave in my own way. 
when everybody else was up jumping and shouting and screaming and hollering when they, they did that jump pass and made the touchdown. Well, my praise is private. If, if at the end of the game, when Auburn had won, and all them crazy people jumping in them bushes, getting stuck in them bushes, holly bushes, I didn't know they were holly bushes, that makes it even more crazy. <laughs> but all those people doing stuff like that, and we sitting there, now, let's turn that around. What if, what if everybody in that stand said, I, I worship in my own way. And nobody said anything. Nobody hollered. Nobody screamed. Nobody clapped their hands. It wouldn't be a ball game, would it? I'm just, I'm just kind of giving you an example, Okay. You see, part of, part of that game is when the home crowd begins to make a lot of noise and it confuses the visiting team. You see, and what, what we fail to recognize is that on Sunday morning, Wednesday night, or whenever, we've got home field advantage We've got the home crowd sitting in here. And when we come in and refuse to, to worship, we don't want to praise. We don't want to lift our hands. And, I, and I'm going to kind of get on down in this a little bit more here a bit, in a little bit. And we don't want to make no noise. Listen, there's a, there's a big difference between making noise and being in chaos. So you don't make noise and call it chaos when you're making noise toward him who sits on the throne. It might be chaos to you, but I can assure you that in heaven it is not chaos. Because in heaven God is marking down every praise and every worship. You see, and we've got that home field advantage. And when we begin to worship, when we begin to make some noise in the house, we confuse the visiting team that has come to wreak havoc in our field. And when we begin to praise, the devil gets nervous. He don't know how to act. He don't know what to do because he looks out across the congregation and 100 or 200 people have their hands raised up in worship and praise. And you say, but pastor, I just don't do that. Maybe I should have preached this on Sunday morning. I might do that. But I just don't do that. You see, let me give you, let me give you something that the Lord spoke to me this morning about true worship can only be accomplished as the result of inward revelation from Holy Spirit of who Christ is.
Let me say that again. True worship and true praise can only come about because I have revelation on the inside of who Christ is and it manifests itself on the outside. Listen, my praise is an outward manifestation that is prompted by an inner revelation of who Jesus is. Maybe that makes it a little bit more easy to understand. Your praise, when you lift your hands, when you worship, it's got nothing to do with whether or not you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, or whoever. It's got all to do with the fact that Jesus Christ, through the work of Holy Spirit, or the work of Holy Spirit, has revealed to you something about Jesus that when it comes into your spirit, it has to manifest itself in an outward manner because it is too awesome and too glorious and too mighty and too powerful for me to sit there and allow religion and tradition to keep my hands down and to keep my voice muffled. You see, when Jesus manifests himself and the Holy Spirit reveals Christ in my life and shows me something about Jesus, it is a natural reaction that comes out of your spirit to say, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I will magnify the Lord. Oh, come and let us adore him. You see, the night that the angels came and made that proclamation to the shepherds in the field, to them, they were created beings. And they were announcing the coming to earth of the one who had created them. And because of that revelation and what it was going to mean to man, that outward manifestation of praise and worship came. Listen, let me illustrate that to you. In Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says in along about verse 13, <clears throat> that Jesus came in the, into the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist and some Elias and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who say ye that I am? And verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now I saw something in that as I began to study that I had never seen before. 
And that is what Peter said in verse 16. I want you to notice something that Peter didn't say. Well, Lord, some say the Pharisees or the Sadducees or the scribes, they say this about you. And because I'm just an old, uneducated fisherman, I must agree because their intellect is a lot greater than mine. And that's who they say that you are. So I must agree with them. Well, I heard uh, Pharisee Joe, uh, Pharisee Leroy, or Pharisee Don over here. I'm calling y'all Pharisees, okay? I'm just using an example. But I heard... I heard them say that, that he was just a prophet. And so I, because they're educated and, and have knowledge, I, I got to agree with them. Peter didn't say that. What did Peter say? Peter said, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Listen, and we know that Jesus responded to Peter and said, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, son. He said, but the Spirit of God revealed that to you. But I want you to see something here. Because when Peter said that, he said that because there was something, maybe it was the, the, the glory, maybe it was Holy Spirit, maybe it was an anointing, that was coming off of Jesus and that was radiating into Peter's spirit and down into his soul, but there was something that reached out and grabbed Peter. And when Jesus looked at Peter and said, but who do you say that I am? Peter looked at him and he said, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen, there was a revelation that came into Peter's spirit that revealed to him who this was that that was standing there asking that question and it when it came in Peter responded you are the Christ the son of the living God now what I found in this as I studied it is that we read that and we we misjudge the tone of the language that Peter used we think that Peter just said, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But as I begin to study that and, and I begin to study that phrase of what Peter said, uh, you, you will find that Peter made this statement and it was a statement of adoration. It was, it was a statement of worship and a statement of praise. It wasn't a statement that was just made in a, in a low-tone uh, statement of, of just speaking it out, of just blurting it out. But it was a statement that when Peter made that statement, uh, he, he, was, he was voicing it out loud. It was a statement of adoration that you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. I believe it with all of my heart. And he was declaring that word out. You see, the reason that I agree with that was this, because nobody in the Bible ever had revelation of who Jesus was that they kept it to themselves. 
it always came out. It always manifested itself out. Listen. When Peter made that statement, perhaps he was remembering what the voice he heard said when Jesus was baptized. When the voice of the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. I don't know, but I do know this, that there was a revelation that Peter got of who Jesus was and it came out in a voice of adoration and praise. So understand this. When I praise, I praise because I choose to praise. And when I praise, I'm making a statement about my belief and my trust in God. Listen, praise has been attributed to the charismatic or the Pentecostal or something like that. And now we've got a lot of churches that have a traditional service and then a contemporary service. And in the, in the uh, traditional service, uh, they worship in their own way. They, their worship is private and 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 uh, you know we we don't do stuff like. But in the contemporary service, all them young folks come in there and 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 they lift their hands every once in a while. But I want you to understand, that's not what praise is about. Praise is about who we're praising. Praise is about Jesus. Praise is about lifting up his name. Praise is about building a platform for God to come and sit upon. That's what praise is. The greatest thing that we can do in this season is create habits that are going to bring life to us. I was thinking about today and, and uh, Autumn and Corey just newly married and, and all that and still uh, enjoying their honeymoon season and time and all that. And, and I was thinking about the importance of that young couple creating habits right now that will carry them through their life together, creating habits of, of, of getting in the habit now of praying with each other and for each other, creating good uh, financial habits. And, and because what they, what they start out with now will perhaps be what carries them the rest of their life together. So it's important to start good habits. So what I want to challenge you with tonight is understand this. Understand this, that, that I don't know, you probably don't remember, but I remember McCullough Baptist Church when it was a dead church. I remember McCullough Baptist Church when, when their worship was private. I remember McCullough Baptist Church when, when it wasn't none of your business how I worship, and if I don't want to do this, I'm not going to do it. I remember all that. Nisi remembers it. But I remember what 
started the move of God. Do you know what it was? They began to worship. They began to sneak around to other churches, and then women, and then women done it all. They 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 the ones that caused all of it. But they would they would start lifting their hands. They would be singing, and all of a sudden they would be lifting their hands. And then the next step was that as they began to do that, Holy Spirit began to move in that praise. Am I right, Nisi? You see, they wasn't just standing there one day and all of a sudden the power of God came on them and, and that was it. There was a process. And that's how McCullough Christian Center was born. Out of worship that brought in a move of the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit began to move and stir and, and shake things and turn things around and all of that. And all of a sudden, you've got a church that is on fire, that people are coming, and they're desiring to get in on what God is doing at McCullough. You see, so, guys, I want to challenge you. Understand, Jesus was born He's already died for you. Amen. The birth was good. The birth was great. And I'm glad he came. But listen, when he died on the cross and rose again on the third day, that is awesome, man. You can't beat that. You can't, listen, that's nothing to shake a stick at because the devil couldn't beat it. Hell can't beat it. The world can't beat it. We've got a reason to praise I forgot to pull my phone out to see what time it was. But we need to realize that when I come in, when I come into the house of God, or let me let me go back. When I get in my house, when I get in my living room, when I get in my bedroom, that's where my praise starts. Because you see, if you'll do it in private, it'll come out in public. Amen? I want to worship him. I want to praise him. And yeah, I've got my own little way of doing it. But I do it with all my heart. You see, and I believe that during this season, God is saying, Come, let us adore him. Come, let us worship him. So I want, us, I want us to stand tonight. Now you've got the information, and now I want you to, I want to give you the application. It's like reading a medicine bottle and saying take two tablets one time a day. Well, that's good. But if you don't open that bottle up and take them tablets, they're not going to do you any good, are they? So we're going to do the application. I want us to sing this song. Uh, oh, come let us adore him. He's going to sing it for us, but we can follow along. And I want you to understand how it was that night, how it is this night, and what God 
is trying to do in mine and your life. God wants us to praise him. Heaven needs our praise, and the world needs to hear our praise. Amen.
Father. Lord, we wasn't there the night the angels made that proclamation. But Father, we know tonight and we believe, Father, we believe tonight that you came, you gave yourself, you sacrificed yourself on the cross. And Lord, we have the opportunity tonight, God, to sing worship to you, to adore you as Lord and King. Father, tonight, teach us, show us how to praise. Show us how to worship you, Father. God, let it not be just a worship on Sunday morning, Lord, our worship on Wednesday night, but Father, God, let us be worshipers. God, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, God, let praise flow from us, Father. Lord, we thank you tonight. You are truly worthy of all of our honor and all of our glory. We give you praise tonight. We magnify the name that is above all other names. We call you Lord tonight. We call you Master and Healer. We call you Redeemer tonight, Father. We call you Savior tonight, Father. God, I call you peace tonight because someone in here needs peace. We call you our peace tonight. We call you our joy. We call you our hope, Father, tonight in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise. We give you glory in the mighty and wonderful name above all other names. Amen. Amen.